0: part eleven master johannes wacht section two from weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t Bealby. this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part eleven master johannes wacht section two and indeed for a whole week master wacht never left his room the maid frequently brought down his food again untouched and they often heard in the passage his low sad cry cutting them to the quick Oh, my wife Oh, my johannes many of wacht's acquaintances were of opinion that he ought not by any means to be left in this solitary state by brooding constantly over his grief his mind might become unsettled engelbrecht however met them with the reply let him alone you don't know my johannes since providence and its inscrutable purposes has sent him this hard trial it has also given him strength to overcome it and all earthly consolation would only outrage his feelings i know in what manner he is working his way out of his deep grief these last words engelbrecht uttered with a well-nigh cunning look upon his face but he would not give any further information as to what he meant Vach's acquaintances had to content themselves and leave the unfortunate man in peace. A week was passed, and early the next morning, which was a bright summer morning, at five o'clock Master Wacht came out unexpectedly into the workyard amongst his journeymen, who were all hard at work. Their axes and saws stopped whilst they greeted him with a half sorrowful cry Master Wacht, our good Master Vach with a cheerful face upon which the traces of the struggle against grief which he had gone through had deepened the expression of sterling good-nature and given it a most touching character he stepped amongst his faithful workpeople and told them how the goodness of heaven had sent down the spirit of mercy and consolation upon him and that he was now filled with strength and courage to go on and discharge the duties of his calling he betook himself to the building in the middle of the yard which served for the storage of the tools at night and for keeping the plans and memoranda of work etc engelbrecht the journeyman the apprentices followed him in a string on entering Johannes stood rooted to the spot his poor boy's axe which was identified by certain distinctive marks had been found with half-charred handle under the ruins of the house that had been burnt down his companions had fastened it high up on the wall directly opposite the door and in a rather rude attempt at art had painted round it a wreath of roses and cypress branches and underneath the wreath they had placed their beloved comrade's name together with the year of his birth and the date of the ill-omened night when he had met such a violent death poor hans exclaimed master vaux on perceiving this touching monument of the true faithful spirits whilst a flood of tears gushed from his eyes poor hans the last time you wielded that tool was for the welfare of your brothers but now you are resting in your grave and will never more stand by my side and use your earnest industry in helping to forward a good piece of work then master wacht went round the circle and gave each journeyman and each apprentice a good honest shake of the hand saying think of him then they all went back to their work except engelbrecht whom wach bid stay with him see here my old comrade cried wach what extraordinary means the eternal power has chosen to help me to overcome my great trouble during the days when i was almost heartbroken with grief for my wife and child whom i have lost in such a terrible way there came into my mind the idea of a highly artistic and complicated trust girder which i had been thinking about for a long time without ever being able to see my way to the thing clearly look here therewith master Vach unrolled the drawing at which he had worked during the past week and engelbrecht was greatly astonished at the boldness and originality of the invention no less than at its exceptional neatness in the finished state the mechanical part of the contrivance was so skilfully and cleverly arranged that even engelbrecht with all his great experience could not comprehend it at once but the greater therefore was his glad admiration when master wacht explained to him the whole construction down to the minutest details and he had convinced himself that the putting of the plan into execution could not fail to be successful at this time vach's household consisted of only two daughters besides himself but it was very soon to be increased albeit a clever and industrious workman master engelbrecht had never been able to advance so far as that lowest grade of affluence which had been the reward of vach's very earliest undertakings he had to contend with the worst enemy of life against which no human power is of any avail it not only threatened to destroy him but really did destroy him namely consumption he died leaving a wife and two boys almost in want his wife went back to her own home and master wacht would willingly have taken both boys into his own house but this could only be arranged in the case of the elder who was called sebastian he was a strong intelligent lad and having an inclination to follow his father's trade promised to make a good clever carpenter he had however a certain refractoriness of disposition which at times seemed to border closely upon badness as well as being somewhat rude in his manners and even often wild and untamable but these ill qualities wacht hoped to conquer by wise training the younger boy jonathan by name was exactly the opposite of his elder brother he was a very pretty little boy but rather fragile his blue eyes laughing with gentleness and kind-heartedness this boy had been adopted during his father's lifetime by herr theophilus eichheimer a worthy doctor of law as well as the first and oldest advocate in the place noticing the boy's remarkably good parts as well as his most decided bent for knowledge he had taken him to train him for a lawyer and here one of those unconquerable prejudices of our wach came to light which had been already spoken of above namely he was perfectly convinced in his own mind that everything understood under the name of law was nothing else but so many phrases artificially hammered out and put together by lawyers with the sole purpose of perplexing the true feeling of right which had been planted in every virtuous man's breast since he could not exactly shut his eyes to the necessity for law courts he discharged all his hatred upon the advocates whom as a class he conceived to be if not altogether miserable deceivers yet at any rate such contemptible men that they practise usury in shameful fashion with all that was most holy and venerable in the world it will be seen presently how Vach who in all other relations of life was an intelligent and clear-sighted man resembled in this particular the coarsest-minded amongst the lowest of the people the further prejudice that he would not admit there was any piety or virtue amongst the adherents of the roman catholic church and that he trusted no catholic might perhaps be pardoned him since he had imbibed the principles of a well-nigh fanatical protestantism in augsburg it may be conceived therefore how it cut master Vach to the heart to see the son of his most faithful friend entering upon a career that he so bitterly detested the will of the deceased however was in his eyes sacred and it was moreover at any rate certain that jonathan with his weakly body could not be trained up to any handicraft that made any very large demand upon physical strength besides when old herr theophilus eichheimer talked to the master about the divine gift of knowledge at the same time praising little jonathan as a good intelligent boy Wacht for the moment forgot the advocate and law and his own prejudice as well he fastened all his hopes upon the belief that jonathan who bore his father's virtues in his heart would give up his profession when he arrived at riper years and was able to perceive all the disgrace that attached to it though jonathan was a good quiet boy fond of studying indoors sebastian was all the oftener and all the deeper engaged in all kinds of wild foolish pranks but since in respect to his handiwork he followed in his father's footsteps and no fault could ever be found with his industry or with the neatness of his work master vach described his at times two outrageous tricks to the unrefined untamed fire of youth and he forgave the young fellow observing that he would be sure to sow his wild oats when on his travels these travels sebastian soon set out upon and master wacht heard nothing more from him until sebastian on attaining his majority wrote from vienna begging for his little patrimonial inheritance which master Vach sent to him correct to the last farthing receiving in return a receipt for it drawn up by one of the vienna courts just the same sort of difference in character as distinguished the engelbrechts was noticeable also between Vach's two daughters of whom the elder was called rettel and the younger nanni it may here be hastily remarked in passing that according to the taste generally prevalent in baumberg the christian name nanni is the prettiest and finest a girl can well have and so kindly reader if you ever ask a pretty child in baumberg what is your name my little angel the little thing will be sure to cast down her eyes in shy confusion and tug at her black silk apron and whisper in friendly fashion with a slight blush upon her cheeks hm mm, nanni your honour Vach's elder daughter was a fat little thing, with red rosy cheeks and right friendly black eyes, with which she looked boldly into the face of the sunshine of life as it had dawned upon her without blinking. In respect of her education and her character, she had not risen a hair's breadth above the sphere of the handicraftsman. She gossiped with her female relatives and friends, and liked dressing herself, though in gay colours and without taste but her own peculiar element wherein she lived and moved and had her being was the kitchen nobody's hair ragout and geese giblets not even those of the most experienced cook far and near ever turned out so tasty as hers in the preparation of sauces she was a perfect adept vegetables such as savoy and cauliflower were dressed by rettel's cunning hand in a way that could not be beaten since she knew in a moment through a subtle unfailing instinct when there was too much or too little dripping and her shortcakes put in the shade the most successful productions of a similar kind at the most sumptuous of church feasts father wacht was very well satisfied with his daughter's cooking and he once hazarded the opinion that the prince bishop could not have more delicious vermicelli noodles on his table than those which rettel made this remark sank so deeply into the good girl's pleased heart that she was preparing to send a huge dish of the said vermicelli noodles up to the prince bishop and that too on a fast day fortunately master vaught got scent of the plan in time and amidst hearty laughter prevented the bold idea from being put into execution not only was stout little rettel a clever housekeeper a perfect cook and at the same time a pattern of good nature and childish affection and fidelity but like a well-trained child she also loved her father very tenderly now characters of vaux class in spite of their earnestness often display a certain ironical waggishness which comes into play on easy provocation and lends an agreeable charm to life just as the deep brook greets with its silver curling waves the light breeze that skims its surface it could not fail but that good rettel's ways and doings frequently provoked this sly humour and so the relations between wacht and his daughter were invested with a curiously modified charm of colour the indulgent reader will come across instances later on for the present it may suffice to mention one such here which certainly deserves to be called entertaining in master wacht's house there was a quiet good-looking young man who held a post in the prince's exchequer office and drew a very good income in straightforward german fashion he sued the father for the hand of his elder daughter and master wacht if he would not do an injustice to the young man as well as to his rattle could not help but grant him permission to visit the house that he might have opportunities to try and win the girl's affections rettel informed of the man's purpose received him with very friendly looks in which might be read at times at our wedding dear i shall bake the cake myself master wacht however was not altogether well pleased with his daughter's growing liking for the herr administrator of the prince's revenues since the herr administrator himself didn't seem to him to be all that he should be in the first place the man was as a matter of course a roman catholic and in the second place vacht thought he perceived in him on nearer acquaintance a certain sneaking dissimulation of manner which pointed to a mind ill at ease he would willingly have got the undesirable suitor out of the house again if he could have done so without hurting rettel's feelings master vacht observed him closely and knew how to make shrewd and cunning use of his observations he perceived that the Herr Administrator did not set much store by well-cooked dishes, but swallowed down everything in the same indiscriminate fashion, and that, moreover, in a disagreeably repulsive way. One Sunday, when the Herr Administrator was dining at Master Vox's, as he usually did on that day, the latter began to heap up praises and commendations upon every dish which busy Rettle caused to be served up and not only did he call upon the herr administrator to join him in his encomiums but he also asked him pointedly what he thought of various ways of dressing dishes the herr administrator replied somewhat dryly that he was a temperate and abstemious man accustomed from his youth up to the greatest frugality at noon for dinner he was satisfied with a spoonful or two of soup and a little piece of beef but the latter must be cooked hard since so cooked the smaller quantity sufficed to satisfy the hunger and there was no need to overload the stomach with large pieces for his evening meal he generally managed upon a saucer of good egg and butter beaten up together and a very small glass of liquor moreover the only other refreshment he allowed himself was a glass of extra beer at six o'clock in the evening taken if possible in the good fresh air it may be imagined what looks rettelchen fixed upon the unfortunate administrator and yet the worst was still to come bavarian puffy noodles were next served and they were swollen up to such a big big size that they seemed to be the masterpiece of the table the frugal herr administrator took his knife and with the most cool-blooded indifference cut the needle which was passed to him into many pieces Ruttle rushed out of the room with a loud cry of despair. End of part 11, section 2, recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.